Welcome to Coffee and Conversations with Chris. We're glad you're here. Here's your host, Pastor Chris Atkinson. Good morning. My name is Chris Atkinson, and I am the pastor at Pinewoods Chapel in Angus. And Pinewoods Chapel is a Christian community church located in Angus that really wants to help our community and uh, talk to people about God. You have joined Coffee with Chris, and so uh, grab a coffee, sit down and uh, listen, you can ask questions. And uh, this month of January and Coffee with Chris, we've been chatting about the Antichrist and what is the Antichrist and what are the things in our world that are uh, pointing to this whole thing that uh, we see in the Bible about the Antichrist. So over the last number of weeks, we've talked about the spirit of the Antichrist and uh, how we see that in Scripture. We also talked about the coming of the Antichrist and sort of the steps that would lead up to uh, the revealing of the Antichrist. And you can just check those out on uh, some of our other videos. Today we're going to talk about the tribulation of the Antichrist. And this uh, is a very uh, controversial topic actually within Christian uh, circles. There are many people that have different opinions on how the Antichrist will work and whether or not uh, believers will be here when the Antichrist is uh, fully exposed and revealed in our world today. Um, I'll just say right off the bat that I am not a person who believes that uh, the church will not have to go through tribulation. And if you're a believer in Jesus, then uh, you will go through tribulation if you are alive and around during these times. So we want to look at this. We're going to look at some passages that really speak to this and, uh, just to sort of give a, a general overview on the Great Tribulation uh, in an eschatological perspective. There are those that believe that Jesus will return uh, pre-tribulation. There are those that believe that he will uh, return sort of midway through tribulation. And there are those that believe that he will return post-tribulation, so after the tribulation. Um I, I would be someone who would say mid to the end of uh, tribulation and maybe right at the end of tribulation in, as we look at some of these scriptures. So let's, uh, let's take a, a look at some of these passages and see what Jesus actually says and uh, what the apostles taught about uh, you know going through trials, going through suffering. And uh, we just need to be realizing that uh, this is a global thing that will be happening, not just localized pockets of, uh, of tests and trials, but something that is far greater than uh, just your local country. So uh, if you've got a Bible, you can file, follow along. I'm going to throw out some scriptures there. And again, if you've got questions as we're going along talking about the Antichrist, just... Uh, just type them in and we'll either answer them in upcoming sessions or we'll answer them right here live uh, with you. So 
The first passage uh, I want to turn to this morning is going back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, as Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, uh, this very obvious uh, point as Paul is writing and as the apostles understood this, uh, we see that they saw the Antichrist as being fully revealed before the return of Christ. And this is something that we really need to realize um, because if the Bible is telling us that this is going to happen before the return of Christ, then we better have our eyes wide open to this. So in 2 Thessalonians, in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, it says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. So he says what he's talking about. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm telling you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or by a spoken word or letter seeming to be from us that effect that the day of the Lord has come. He's saying, no, the day of the Lord, Jesus has not returned yet. Let no one deceive you in any way for that day. Verse three, for that day will not come unless. See, so he's saying that there's. This day of the Lord's return is not going to come unless the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. This passage says that Christ will not return until this man of lawlessness, this antichrist, this uh, son of destruction is revealed. And this is actually very important for us to see because some people actually teach that uh, we don't have to worry about the uh, Antichrist or anything like that because God's going to gather his church up before that. But the scripture verse actually speaks directly against this, that the Antichrist will be totally revealed. He'll be sitting in the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God, and that's all going to happen before Christ returns. And this uh, this is important for us to see because if the Antichrist is revealed and is in culture, then there's some things that we need to realize about what the Bible teaches so that we as Christians can have both our eyes wide open and that we can be prepared in our hearts and in our minds for what is about to happen because Christ doesn't return. And so that means that if Christ doesn't return, we need to go through some of the signs of the Antichrist actually being present in our world. So let's, uh, let's go and look at uh, Daniel chapter 24 now. Or sorry, not Daniel 24, Matthew 24. And uh, because we see here that Jesus gives us the same indication. Um, because we see him in Matthew 24 as he's teaching his disciples about the, the signs of his coming, the, the signs of the end of the age. And we see him actually say this. And, and again, today we're talking about the, uh, the 
Antichrist's Great Tribulation. And uh, it's, it's so very important for us to, to understand that there is a Great Tribulation that's coming. And for some of us, we've been taught that once this Great Tribulation comes, Christ is already going to return and he's going to take us up there. But that's actually not what the Bible says in so many places. And that's what we're looking at today. So, so Matthew 24, the stage is where Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's teaching his disciples and they're asking him, and he, they just, they say this, uh, tell us when these things are going to be. What are the signs of your coming and the close of the age? So the disciples are saying, when are you coming back? And Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to tell you. And he begins to tell them all the circumstances and situations that are in place as sort of signs before he returns. And so he, he begins in verse 9 and he's saying, look, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Very important here because he's saying all nations. He's not talking about just the religious people. He's talking about all nations. He's talking about across the world. And verse 10, it says, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So let me just talk about this gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed. Like right now, with the uh, ability that every church has around the world to broadcast on the internet, it goes everywhere. And uh, a number of our services that get broadcast on the internet, they go all around the world. And we know that because we can track that on uh, the internet. So here, this new and world that we're living in, that we have this gospel going from everywhere to everywhere, and there is no nation uh, that is kept because of the internet uh, from this place. And so we actually see this season that we're into, and this coronavirus has sort of pushed us right into that, where we are now proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom all over the world, each and every church that's broadcasting online is doing that. And uh, we know that then that there is things that are happening in our world. So now Jesus, as he's teaching about this, he, he sort of ratchets it up a little. And in verse 15, he says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So again, he's talking about this Antichrist that is actually uh, manifest himself in the temple of God. And as we, as we read in Thessalonians and as we read over in Daniel, we're going to go there in a minute. And what we see here is Jesus gives this great warning, okay? And this is what we need to realize about the Antichrist is that the Antichrist is ushering in this great tribulation. And as we've already seen, if you are just joining us now, you can look back at some of these passages of scripture and you can see that this Antichrist is going to be in power and ruling and reigning over the world before Christ returns. And this idea that the church is going to escape tribulation is erroneous and it's, it's wrong because that's actually not what Jesus or the early apostles taught. And in fact, this teaching 
of a pre-tribulation uh, rescue of the church is something that's actually only been taught since early 1900s. And why did it just appear in the scriptures after the 1900s? And for previous 1900 years, uh, as the church has, teach, has taught on this, it has not appeared. So as, as students of scripture, we need to come back to God's word and really study God's word to actually see what the great tribulation looks like as we see scriptures. Okay, so I'm in Matthew 24, and I'm just reading through this Jesus teaching his disciples. So in verse 17, Jesus says this, Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in the house. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on Sabbath. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, and no, and never will be. Like, right there, we need to realize that this is the beginning of this great tribulation where the uh, Antichrist is in power, the Antichrist is ruling the world, and Christians are still here. And what we see here is that Jesus is telling his disciples that the time of trouble that is about to come on the world in this place has, there's never ever been anything like it up until this point. And so when you think back of the World War II, you can think back of World War I, you can think back in history of uh, Alexander the Great and the Great Conquerors that happened and some of the atrocities that have happened uh, throughout history, nothing compares to what's going to happen during this time period. And we as the church need to have both eyes wide open and realize that this is actually going to happen. And Jesus tells us this ahead of time for our benefit. So what he goes on to say next is also very important, and it's actually strongly pointing to this fact that we as believers are going to be a part of this great tribulation. And he says, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. It's our first piece of hope. We have to go through this, but those days will be shortened because God knows that if he poured out all of the things that are happening during this time, there would be no one make it through this. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there it is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So what he's saying is during this great tribulation time, there is going to be people that are going to try and lead astray those people that are called by God. That's the elect, those that are called by God and chosen by God to be a part of his children, his kingdom, that it's, if possible, they could even be led away. Jesus then says, see, I have told you beforehand. He's telling us this before it even comes to pass. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. 
For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Tribulation, this great tribulation is happening before the Son of Man returns. And this is incredibly important for us to realize all through Scripture. We see this pattern where there's tribulation and suffering that believers go through. And uh, this great tribulation that Jesus is talking about here is this great tribulation that the Antichrist brings upon believers. And for some of us, we've actually been taught and we would hope, and, I, and you know what, I kind of hope I'm wrong in all of this, uh, but I have to go by God's word because the idea of, of not being here during a great tribulation and seeing the return of Christ come and, and gathering the church up and sweeping us away and rescuing us uh, is, is, is a beautiful thought, but that's actually not what we see in Scripture. We see that the church, the people of God, will be here during this great tribulation. And as we go through Scriptures today, we're going to actually see uh, all of these examples that during this great tribulation that's coming from the Antichrist, there will be believers here. And there will be uh, a number of people that we're going to do things to try and lead, if possible, God's people away from following him. And so, uh, as we continue reading, I just want to jump over to uh, Daniel uh, chapter 11 and verse 31. We'll just pick it up there because we see that during this great tribulation, and so Jesus in this passage refers over to Daniel uh, chapter 11. And in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, we are reading here about this king who is the Antichrist. And it actually, and this is important for us to realize why this is all playing out this way. And uh, in verse 31, it says, uh, forces from him, from this great king, shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offerings and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. This is what Jesus is referring to over in Matthew 24. And he says about this king, this antichrist that's ruling at this time, he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant. That is the covenant with God. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Obviously, those people are still there. Obviously, those people are going to be in a place where they're going to have to stand firm because of what's coming against them. It goes on to say this, verse 33, And the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by the sword and flame, by captivity and plunder. It's talking about the people of God stumbling because of the sword because of, of the flame by captivity. And when they stumble, they shall receive a little help. Many shall join themselves to them with flattery. And some of the wise shall stumble. And here's what is really important for us to realize. So that they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time. You see, what we need to realize is that during this great tribulation, God is actually doing something and he's allowing these things to happen 
because he wants to purify his church. And the church is only purified by going through suffering. And this, this principle that's in scripture, and it's, it's this principle of suffering to glory. And we all would like to be a part of glory, God's glory and what God's doing. But in order for glory to be uh, not necessarily achieved, but to be uh, taking part in God's glory, there must be suffering. And uh, let's just look at this principle in the New Testament, because this is incredibly important as we look at the, the suffering or the great tribulation that the church will go through as we look to this time of the Antichrist. So over in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 7. And if you, you might find yourself in suffering right now, and, and that's actually uh, a good sign because the suffering is going to lead you uh, to this place where God is glorified in you. And really, that's what we want. We want God to be glorified in us. And so over in Matthew or in uh, Romans, Chapter 8, verse 17. And again, we're talking about this principle of suffering that leads us to glory. So he says, he says this in uh, verse 17. Let's start in verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Just notice there, it says that if we want to be heirs with God, we will suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. It goes on in verse 18, and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. You see, God is in this whole area of the great tribulation by allowing it to happen to purify his church. Just as we read in Daniel, these things are going to happen to purify and make white his people. But also, if we want to be glorified with God, we also need to be in this place where we're suffering with him. Over in Hebrews uh, chapter 2, and again, these are passages where we see this principle in the scriptures of, of, of suffering that leads us to uh, being a part of God's glory. So in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2 and uh, verse 10, it says, For it was fitting that he, for whom and by all things exist, he's talking about God, in bringing many sons to glory, he's talking about those that follow in the footsteps of Jesus, the children of God, male and female, 
should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. You see, Jesus suffered before he was glorified in heaven. And that is, that is who we are too. We're going to go through this process of suffering because of the pattern that Jesus has laid out for us. And in Revelation chapter 2, again, we see as Paul is writing the letters to the churches, we see this continual reminder that we are going to have to go through some of these uh, situations where uh, we have tribulation. And the context is the Church of Samaria. Or, uh, Samaria. And it says in verse 10, Do not fear what is about what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. And you'll be tested. And, you'll, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto, the, unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. You see, there's, there's this process where suffering is a huge piece for us to be able to enjoy and participate in God's glory. And this is a principle that we see right through Scripture. And we can even go back to the Old Testament. We can talk about some Old Testament passages where we actually see the suffering that the children of Israel went through so that God would be glorified in them. And this, this principle plays out in the great tribulation that is coming by the Antichrist. And uh, we don't need to be worried about this because as we see, we're going to see some of the amazing things that God does for those that are his during this time. But for us to actually say that this is not going to happen to us, and if we believe that, that might actually be quite shocked when it begins to happen to us. And as we go back to Jeremiah, let's go back to the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Uh, and we're going to see the prophets actually prophesying about this great tribulation. And when we realize that God is telling us this ahead of time, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, as I read that already, and as we see the prophets in the Old Testament telling us uh, this ahead of time, then we need to take uh, notice of this uh, because this great tribulation that Jesus has told us about, uh, we, we need to be ready. And I know, and, I, and I'm saying this because I know, and I just listened this week to lots of people that are teaching that this great tribulation we're, we're going to be kept from. And God's just going to come along and whisk us away and everything's going to be hunky and dory for uh, the, the Christian, the believer. And I'm telling you that scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture actually teaches that 
in order for the church to be glorified, the church has to suffer. And uh, when we look in scripture, that's actually what we see. So in Jeremiah 30, um, we, we see uh, Jeremiah prophesying about the restoration of Israel and Judea. And there, there is this section where uh, the prophet Jeremiah is talking about the things that are happening in the world. And it just uh, says this, I'll start in verse 5 of Jeremiah 30. It says, Thus saith the Lord, we have heard a cry of panic, of terror, and no peace. And now ask and see, can a man bear a child? Why then do I see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? Why is every face turned pale? Alas, that day is so great, there is none like it. It is a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. So here we see this prophecy um, that God actually is telling his, his people, us, that there is a time coming when the cry of panic and terror where there is no peace for the believer is going to be so bad that we are going to respond like a, like a person who is in labor and in pain. But the hope that's here is that God actually says that I will come and save you through this. And as we read in verse 10 in the same passage, let's just kind of look at this. And we see it says, Then fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, nor be dismayed. For behold, I will save you from afar and your offspring from the land of their captivity. And... Uh, God is actually going to protect us through these times. And as we read already in Daniel, you'll have seen that it just says some, and they're going to be aided with a little help. And uh, But this has got to happen to purify God's church. So over in Daniel chapter 12, as we're continuing to see uh, how God is telling us ahead of time that this great time of trouble is coming. And so we've seen this, we've seen Jesus talk about this in Matthew 24. We've uh, seen uh, the apostles talk about these things and us being around uh, for these things happen. And now we're looking into the Old Testament and seeing uh, prophecies and prophets that have said these things. And in Daniel uh, chapter 10, and this is a vision that Daniel has, or sorry, uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Um, this vision that Daniel is given says this, At this time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge over your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the, in the book. And... What we see here is that God is promising a deliverance for his people through this great tribulation. And we're going to go and look in the book of Revelation because Revelation actually shows us how God is actually going to uh, protect us. And um, 
again, we see here that through this great time of trouble, God is going to deliver us. And we're just not sure when that deliverance is going to happen through the great tribulation. But we need to know we have to go through it to get to the other side where God delivers us. Now, over in the book of Revelation, there's a number of different things that are happening, and we want to talk about that. And we want to talk about how the great tribulation that's coming is this great persecution against those that will not receive the mark of the beast, who will not receive the, this mark of the Antichrist, will not worship the Antichrist. But for those who do worship the Antichrist, it's not a great tribulation. It's not a difficult time because in that context, you're on the side of the person, the kingdom of the Antichrist that's doing the persecuting, the attacking, the going after of God's people that are here on this earth. So this great tribulation refers to the followers of Jesus, those that worship God. On the other hand, what we see in Scripture in the book of Revelation is judgment that comes on the people who are following the Antichrist. And this is very important for us to notice that these are two different things that are happening. So in the book of Revelation, what we see, and we'll see, we're going to go there in a second here, I'm just sort of giving you the, the big picture. We see God pouring out his wrath and his anger on the world. Those that are following the Antichrist, those that are refusing to worship and to acknowledge Jesus and God as a creator of the universe. At the same time, what is happening is that we have this great tribulation that's happening because the Antichrist and the beast and those that have the mark of the beast are uh, attacking uh, the believers that are in the world. And so the Great Tribulation refers to the attack that is coming from the Antichrist, whereas judgment that we see in Revelation is coming from God onto the Antichrist, those that have the mark of the beast, and those that are refusing to worship God. So as we see these two things, hopefully we can keep them separated because what, is, what God is pouring out on the world in judgment is not on his people. It's on the world. What the Antichrist is doing is trying to bring that same kind of uh, pain and suffering to God's people. So let's look at this in, in Revelation. So turn to Revelation chapter 12, if you've got a Bible. Uh, and again, the scripture verses that we've been going to are posted on on the screen but in Revelation chapter 12 we see this picture here so as we've been talking about the Antichrist and we've been using and the, and the scriptures use so many different terminologies it uses the beast in Revelation it uses the Antichrist it uses the lawless one uh, it uses the word king to describe this one that's going to be ruling and reigning over the whole earth and uh, causing people to worship uh, this person, and, and it is a person. It's not 
uh, some strange thing. It's a person. It's a real live person with flesh and bones, uh, just like you and I. So in Revelation chapter 12, we actually see this picture where Satan is thrown down to the earth. And uh, when this happens, and we could talk about the timing of this, and, and there's a, a lot of different opinions about the time of it, but it's going to happen. I think that's the biggest thing that we need to realize. It's going to happen, okay? And it's, it's happening. And so what we see here is this, this dragon. And, and remember, the beast has the power of the dragon. And we, and we actually see this here as we go through 12 and, and chapter 12 in Revelation and, and 13. So I want to pick this up in uh, verse 13. Okay, so it says, And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. So let me just unpack this for a minute. So the book of Revelation is apocalyptic in nature, in how it is written. So there's all kinds of symbolism and all kinds of meaning that is here. Uh, and John did that and God wrote this in this way to sort of mask it from the masses so that only those who have ears to hear and eyes to see can actually see what God is actually saying in the scriptures. So who's the dragon? Well, the dragon is Satan. We know that from other places in scripture. The woman, who's the woman? The woman is the, the church. Uh, and who's the male child? Jesus. Okay. So verse 14 says, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to a place where she could be nourished for a time, times and half a time. The serpent poured out water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But... The earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon was furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So what we see here is this strong desire by the dragon, by Satan, to actually go and make war with the offspring of God. Those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Those are the followers of Jesus that he's referring to here. And again, this is all uh, symbolic of, of what is going on here. And so here we see very clearly that Satan is furious with the church and, and the church is going to be attacked by Satan and it's going to be like a war and it's going to be against those who keep God's commandments and hold the testimony of Jesus. And so if that's you, if you are holding the commandments uh, of, uh, of God and keeping them and holding true to the testimony of Jesus, this great tribulation that is going to be ushered in by uh, the beast and the dragon, which is uh, Satan and this antichrist that is going to rise to rule the world, then this is going to happen to you. There's going to be this attack that's coming against you. As uh, we continue to read here in Revelation chapter 13, so 
Uh, this is this beast that rises, which is the Antichrist. Um, it says in verse 7 of chapter 13. So this beast, let me back up a, a bit so we can see that this is this beast. And as we've been talking about the Antichrist, this is the Antichrist. Verse 5 says, And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. So he's speaking against God, which is exactly what we've seen in 2 Thessalonians and also in Daniel and, and again here in Revelation. This is the same person we're talking about because of the description. So this Antichrist, this is what it says, verse 7, also the Antichrist was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain. And then it says, this, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Like, know for certain that there is going to be a great tribulation that is coming upon those saints. And the desire of the beast and the dragon, which is Satan, is to conquer them. And God has given authority over every tribe and people and language and nation. So it's going to be a worldwide thing that is happening. And all of the people of the earth that are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that are worshiping the beast, are not going to have the same kind of tribulation to them because it's like they're on the devil's side and it says verse 10 if anyone is to be taken captive he to captivity he goes if anyone is to be slain with a sword sword he must be slain and then it says this and this is just so important for us to realize here is the call for the endurance and faith of the saints you see, this great tribulation that is coming because of the Antichrist, because of the Antichrist rulership over the world, being against everything that is God, he will come against and attack the saints. And right here, we're told that this is the endurance and faith of the saints. Why? Because God is making his people, his church, pure. And in order for that to happen, there must be suffering. And going back to this principle of suffering before we can identify with God's glorification. So let us endure through this. And I'm telling you this before it happens, as Christ has told us, as prophecy has told us, as the scripture has told us, so that we can endure, so that we can uh, be ready to say, okay, I'm going to uh, go through the suffering. I'm going to make it through the suffering because Christ has promised that he is going to help us a little, as we've read in uh, uh, Daniel, but also to be there with us through all of this. Now, we want to take a look and look at uh, some places of Scripture uh, where we see this difference between the Great Tribulation that God uh, is allowing on his people and the great judgment that's coming on those that will not follow 
uh, Jesus. So over in Revelation chapter 6, so uh, Revelation chapter 6 uh, is the, the seven seals being poured out. And what is important for us to realize uh, is that part of the fifth seal is this seal that is, pers is strictly dedicated to the martyrs those that have died for their faith in Jesus. So it just says this in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 6. It says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had bore. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given each a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be completed who were to be killed as they themselves had been. Okay, so here we just see that part of, part of what God is doing in the world is that there is this uh, martyrdom that is happening upon the people of God. And it has been happening over time, and it is going to continue to happen until the end of time. Uh, but here we also see is, uh, is this separation between this great tribulation that has been coming upon uh, the saints, but also this great judgment that's coming from God on those that have been doing all of this attacking of his people. Because these martyrs, in verse 10, it says, They cry with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? You see, God is going to bring to account those that have been worshiping the beast, those that have been worshiping Satan. And this is all part of the plan in what God is doing. He's got to purify his church. So he's got to have those people that are there that are attacking the church. At the same time, he's going to judge those people as they have not been worshiping God. And we see this in the book of Revelation where we see this picture of a great tribulation coming upon God's people and then a great judgment that is coming upon those who have the mark of the beast. So uh, let's, let's look over to Revelation 8 and, and 9 because these are the passages of Scripture that talk about God's wrath being poured out on these people and on the earth because you have to realize that at this time the majority of the earth the people that still live on the earth are worshiping the antichrist they're following along they've received the mark of the beast they're uh, living in this economy that you cannot buy or trade or sell unless you've got the mark of the beast there's this one world religion where it is uh, the Antichrist and people around the world are worshiping this. And at the same time, we see that there are un or there are believers that are still a part of what God is doing, and they are going through this great tribulation. So and Jesus tells us these things are, are going to happen. So in, in chapter eight and chapter nine, 
we see God's judgment being poured out on these people that are uh, worshiping the Antichrist. Now, how do we know that there's still believers there? Well, in chapter 9, verse 4, this is, uh, this is what God actually says about the fifth angel that blows the trumpet. And uh, so let's maybe start in verse 1 of chapter 9 because we need to see the context of this. It says, And the, the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit, and he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of the scorpions of the earth. Verse 4 is incredibly important. They were told, so these scorpions, these locusts, were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. In those days, people will seek a death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. So this is a great example about how God's going to pour out his judgment on the earth while there are believers present, but keep them from it. And so we need to be encouraged that we are going to end up going through this great tribulation that is going to be this attack of the Antichrist, this, this persecution and suffering, but yet God's judgment that he pours out on those that worship the Antichrist are not going to come to the believer. And this is where we need to realize that those that are perishing uh, need to hear the gospel. There's an urgency for them to, to turn and accept the message of Jesus Christ. And as we, as we look at this, uh, we need to tell people that this is going to happen. This is, this is coming, and God is going to protect his people from his wrath that he is pouring out on the Antichrist, the beast, and all of these things. Uh, at the same time, we need to realize that we're going to be a part and in the world and seeing these things play out. And so that's why in Daniel it says, and those that are wise will turn many. Because we're telling people that this has happened. This is what's going on. And as we live and be faithful to what God has actually said in his word, uh, we get to be a part of what, uh, what God is doing, which means we suffer with him. We're also glorified with him. Now, as we continue to read here, and there's a number of different places in Revelation as it talks about God's wrath, and we can turn over to chapter 16 in Revelation, and again in uh, chapter 17 and 18, we see all of God's wrath just being poured out on the earth, and uh, the fall of Babylon, and, and all of these things. And at some point along the way, uh, through this great tribulation, as God is protecting his people, uh, 
We just need to realize that God is for his people. And just like he delivered his people in Egypt when the 10 plagues came upon Egypt. And this is something, and this is just like the foreshow. This is how God works. And we don't need to fear these things. We just need to know that they're happening. And this is the great tribulation of the Antichrist. Because during the time when the children of Israel were in Egypt, and that too is a type and a shadow of what God is doing uh, at the end of the age, is that all the plagues that came on Egypt, as we see it in scripture, came upon all the land except for Goshen. Now Goshen was a community where the Israelites lived. And so when darkness covered the land, there was light in Goshen. And God told his uh, people to prepare. So when the spirit of death came to take the firstborn of, of everyone, the children of Israel were actually told to put blood upon their doorposts so that the spirit of death would go pass over, which is the whole idea of the Passover event and how that all came to be in the Old Testament. And so what we see there is this foreshadow of God providing a way to protect his people from his judgment and wrath that was coming in Egypt. And it's no different because that's who God is. It's no different as we look to the end of the age through this great tribulation period. So hopefully we can see that there's this difference between uh, the great tribulation that is being brought upon the church by the Antichrist and the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God that is coming upon the Antichrist, those that have the mark of the beast and those that are actually uh, worshiping uh, the beast and, and Satan, the dragon and all of these things that are going to play out in the end. And as we uh, look to all of this, we hopefully can see this clear picture of where we fit into so that we're actually uh, ready for this great tribulation of the Antichrist. Now, hopefully you're asking this question, why tribulation? Why, why do we have to go through uh, some of these things? Well, I've already talked about this principle that we see from suffering so that we can participate in God's glory. And that is part of the human cross that we bear as followers of Jesus and and all the disciples uh, the apostles uh, see we see that in in what they went through uh, during the the time of of Christ and the time after that so understanding the tribulation is is important for us to understand why it's important for us to know that this is happening and uh, for some of us, we do, we think that Christ is going to come before the tribulation at some midpoint or uh, after the tribulation. And uh, I, I personally am not a, a pre-tribulation rapture person. Uh, I believe it will be past the midpoint, probably closer to the end as we look at scripture. And that's why uh, I think it's important for people to be aware that we will have to go through some of these sufferings uh, because we see that the ant that we see in scripture that the antichrist doesn't even come back 
or sorry, that Christ doesn't come back until the Antichrist is revealed. And the Antichrist is not revealed until he's in this, in the temple set up and worshiping and requiring people to worship him and giving off the mark of the beast. So uh, if we have to realize that there's the mark of the beast and that we're still here, then we are going to be persecuted for saying, hey, we can't, we're not taking the mark of the beast and um, we can't buy or trade or sell. And so there's going to be pressure on us like never before. So as we, as we look at why tribulation is important, we need to turn over to the scriptures in the New Testament and look at Ephesians chapter 5. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, what we, or sorry, yeah, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27 uh, we see this analogy of uh, Jesus talking about the church but also the parallel between husbands and wives and he talks about what Christ has done on the cross and we just want to pick it up in verse 25 um, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. You see, part of the tribulation is to, is to bring... Uh, people to this place uh, where they are holy and without blemish and tribulation does that so we got a question that's kind of come up on the screen and I think it's a good question too it's uh so it just says I've been trying to get my head around the time frame well all of us are trying to do that too uh, when Christ returns the second time he comes almost like he was in the temple turning everything upside down uh, yes, Jesus is going to turn everything upside down when he comes, because as it says in Second Thessalonians, that when Christ returns, he will actually destroy the Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, with the brightness of his coming. And so we know that the Antichrist will be fully manifest, sitting as... God in the temple of God when Christ returns and uh, it's important for us to realize that everything that the Antichrist is doing before Christ returns as we've read in Revelation is trying to uh, persecute and attack the saints kill the saints and make war on the saints that's part of the reason why God's coming back because he's coming back in judgment against the Antichrist and against those who worship the beast and have the mark of the of the beast. But he's coming back to protect his people. And when he comes back, he's fighting for his people because that's who God is. That's what God does. God fights for his people. We see this in the Old Testament. We see it in all kinds of places in the New Testament. Yes, there is suffering. There are things that we go through. But God is fighting for his people. And so part of God's return is he's coming back to this earth to, to bring judgment, to fight for his people. 
He saved his people through Jesus when Jesus went to the cross, but now he's coming back to fight for his people. <laughs> so here's another question that's just come up. Now we get all these uh, uh, different questions. Is the rapture and the second coming of Christ the same thing or two different events? Well, this, this, that's, a huge, that's a huge question. Now, uh, somebody's commented that they're different. And I, I would be uh, inclined to say that they are the same. Um, because as we look at this idea of the rapture where God is um, gathering his people to himself uh, in the air, we need to realize is that's what the scriptures talk about a resurrection. And... Christ is coming where we have met him in the air. And it's interesting when you think about that because uh, when Christ comes back, uh, he's coming back uh, on the day. So the scriptures actually talk about the day of the Lord's wrath, the day of the Lord's return. And so... For us, we, and for many of us, we've been sort of taught that, hey, you know what, this is going to happen over a period of time. But the scriptures actually talk about it all sort of happening all at the same time. And so when you, when you think about this, uh, because it's, it's hard for us to, to really grasp and to understand. So, yeah, and it's, this is totally different. So a lot of people have been taught a sort of a pre-tribulation uh, rapture of the church. And uh, I don't lean in that direction at all. I lean towards what the Bible actually calls either a, a, a mid-resurrection uh, or rapture to a post-tribulation uh, kind of rapture of the second coming of Christ. And uh, it's, it's just... And I could be wrong, and I'm, I'm easy to, to say, hey, I could be wrong in this, and I would be actually really glad to be wrong because it just means that we're protected from uh, the great tribulation. But actually what we see in Scripture, what we've been talking about this morning, is that Jesus himself even says that there's this great tribulation that's coming, and there are going to be believers present at that time. And if you have been taught that, well, when the rapture happens, then... You know, the spirit has been taken away from the world and it gets really bad, but there are still those, you know, the Left Behind series. The Left Behind series is theologically out to lunch on timing uh, because if the Holy Spirit has been taken away, then there can be no conviction of sin in those that are left in this world. So the Holy Spirit still must be active in this world in order for people to come to faith in Christ. And that is, that it's just impossible without the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being involved in the lives of people. And what has been taught through the 1900s and into our church today, and even this last week, I just listened to a sermon that was given and I was just like, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. Because the Bible teaches that uh, God doesn't come multiple times. He just returns once and part of that return is judgment and it's not this secret uh rapture that's happening and god sort of came part way down in the air 
and those that were alive uh, on uh, Matthew, oh, sorry, there's comments coming up and I'm getting distracted. Anyway, um, this idea that Christ is coming and he's in the air and we all see him and we get gathered up to him and then go off into heaven and then he comes back again. No, it actually says that he's coming back again. So let me turn over to Matthew 24, uh, 36. And just uh, open this up a little bit because we all, we have lots to think about here today because we're talking about the great tribulation of the Antichrist that it is very clear in scripture that there's going to be the persecution of Christians during the time of the Antichrist. And we also see in scripture, it's very clear that the Antichrist comes before the return of Christ. So this question has come up. Can you share your thoughts on Matthew 24, 36? Oh, yes, yes, this is a good passage. So it says, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. So right here we see this uh, picture, this example that Jesus brings from Noah. And Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He lived among the ungodly during that time, those that weren't worshiping God. And he was a preacher of righteousness. And by faith, he built the ark and, and continued to tell people all about Jesus and, and God and what God had uh, in, plan, in plan for the world. Uh, but they were actually totally unaware and they were swept all away by the judgment that came upon the world and remember so here's Noah, and this is the same picture because jesus says here concerning the day or hour no one knows but as in the days of noah so will it also be in the coming of the son of man so here we have this picture of the ungodly persecuting mocking noah which is this same kind of uh persecution or tribulation that the righteous are going to go through at the end of the time and at the same time, we have God's wrath, God's judgment being poured out. But yet Noah is kept from that. He's kept from that because God has told him it's coming. And, he, and he's put him in the ark. And he's going to keep him through this flood that happens on the earth. And that's important for us to understand because this is the context for these next two verses, which people are kind of like, oh, what does that, what does that mean? What does that mean? And how? Because we, when we hear the word taken, we automatically assume that it's a rapture, okay? That's how we read this, and we read into it because so many people have taught that, but we need to understand the context first. The context is the days of Noah are going to be exactly like the days of the return of Christ. And so what do we see in the return of, at the days of Noah? We see this persecution of the righteous by the ungodly, and we see this judgment that is coming on the world because of the flood. So, they're going to be the same. And then, Jesus says this in verse 40. He says, then, 
Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one will left. Therefore, verse 42 says, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Okay, so when we think about these two verses, because everybody applies this to the rapture, that, oh, the taken are those that are actually going to heaven to be a part of the rapture. But when we read it in context, who stayed on the earth? So in the days of Noah, who was taken? The wicked. Who was left? The righteous. And this is very important to us to realize because what God has planned for his people is that they would inherit the earth. You see, when God is coming back, he's coming back to protect his church, to fight for his church, and to bring judgment on the Antichrist. So when Christ returns, and as we read in 2 Thessalonians, we see that the brightness of Christ's coming destroys the Antichrist. There's this war that happens where God is fighting for his people because they're his people. And the point of him fighting for his people is so that they could inherit the earth. So we automatically assume that there's the one will be taken and then one will be left. We assume that the ones that are left are the wicked. But actually, when we look at it in the context of the days of Noah, who were left? Well, the ones that were left on the earth were the righteous, was Noah and his family. Those that were taken were actually the wicked, the ungodly. And so the point of Jesus telling us this, number one, is that no one knows this hour, so we need to watch. But it's going to be exactly like the days of Noah. And so when we look at the return of Christ and we look at some of these scriptures that that talk about the return of Christ, we can see that God, actually, his whole intention of his, him coming back is so that the righteous will inherit the earth. The new heavens and the new earth that is that in, right, in which righteousness dwells is, is what God's people, the saints, are actually going to inherit. God is not going to whisk us off to heaven and then just leave us in heaven for all of eternity. No, part of his plan, and we can see this in Revelation chapter 21, where part of his plan is actually that the saints are going to inherit the earth. And it actually says that the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea in this time period. And so this, this idea that when Christ comes back and there, he's coming back to, to take away the people to save them. He is their savior, so he doesn't have to take them away to save them because he is their savior. And as we look at these passages, we, we need to realize that there's always a context. And so many times things get taken out of context. And so when we look at this passage where one is taken and one is left, it's in the context of the days of Noah, who was taken and who was left. And when we look to the, the end of the the end of the story, 
the righteous are going to inherit the earth. And so God is going to fight for his people during this great tribulation of the Antichrist. And what we need to know is that God is for us. He's not against us. And so hopefully as we've been uh, going through all these passages of scripture this morning, uh, we, we're going to be able to see that there is this great tribulation that is coming that Jesus talks about, that the apostles talk about, that prophecy talks about, and it is going to be orchestrated by the Antichrist and going against all of God's people. At the same time, God is going to fight for his people and he's going to bring judgment, God's wrath, being poured out at the end of the age on all of those who worship the beast, have received its mark, and have not following, and it actually says that will not even repent of their deeds and worship God. So believers are going to be part of all of that. And we know that because we see in Scripture this, this pattern of suffering to partake in God's glory. We know that in this great tribulation, Jesus is telling, he warns his disciples, just pray that your flight is not going to be that hard in those places. But when you start to see these things happening, know that the end is coming back. And we know from what Paul was teaching in Thessalonians that the manifestation of the Antichrist is going to happen before the return of Christ. So, I know I've given uh, all of you a, a ton of things to think about as we look at the scriptures. Uh, go back and read through uh, some of these passages that we've been talking about and uh, just realize that God is for his people. But when God is for his people, that doesn't mean that his people are not going to have to suffer in some way. But when we do suffer, God is here with us to take us and lead us through this kind of suffering. And this great tribulation that Jesus talks about, that the scriptures talk about, is coming. And this tribulation is going to challenge our faith. It is going to be like it has never been before for the believer. And God is faithful to keep us through that. And it actually says in Matthew 24, it's going to be so great, it, unless it would shorten, no uh, people would get through this. And so we thank God that he is shortening it. Shortening it. We have hope in him to, to, to lead us through to that day when he returns. So uh, if you've got any questions and you want to maybe email me privately about some of this stuff and we get into some more uh, specifics about some of this, um, Thank you so much. Suffering becomes a sacrifice of praise. Amen. Amen. And that's how we uh, get through suffering as we continue to praise God and remember that he is on the throne even now. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. So as we wrap up today, if you've got questions, throw them on there. We'll try and get them answered. And uh, it's good, uh, good for us to be together chatting this way. Uh, as we're in uh, this uh, stay-at-home order here in the province of Ontario. So let me pray for you, and uh, then, oh, okay, so I'm going to, oh, look at this, wow. <laughs> so a couple of questions here that are on the screen. Let me try and answer them before we, uh, before we pray. 
what is the best way to, to do research on the kingdom on earth? Well, the best way is just to read the scriptures. And, uh, you know, there's a ton of commentaries that are out there, uh, but they all have this sort of different slants and eschatological views. So read the scriptures, study the scriptures, just study and study and study uh, the scriptures so that we can understand what God is doing in the world. And sometimes it, it is like God's word does uh, support one another. It's, it's continuous, it's true, it's right. And uh, we just need to study. So there's another question. Uh, uh, are we in the time of tribulation now? Well, not like the time that's coming. Um, we are always in a time of trial because trials can come at any time. But the great tribulation that Jesus warns us of that's coming is never like it's been before. Now, it's pretty obvious as looking around that times are becoming closer and closer to uh, setting the stage for a great tribulation worldwide. Um, right now, what we see in our world is a numerous countries that do struggle with persecution, martyrdom, and tribulation. But the great tribulation is a worldwide thing. And so, yes, there are pockets of tribulation in different places, uh, but this great tribulation is worldwide all happening at once. And whenever something happens all around the world, we know that it's partly shown in scripture. So we need to be on the watch for the Antichrist to rise up so that this great tribulation could go all over the world. Will there be pockets in Canada? Yes. Will there be pockets in the States? Yes. Will there be pockets in, in China and uh, other countries like Nigeria that are, that are going through uh, tribulation and Thanks for the voice of the martyrs who are letting us know that these things are happening in these different places. Uh, but the Great Tribulation is a worldwide event that happens. And as our economy and everything pushes closer to setting the stage for an Antichrist to rise up, uh, those persecutions on the world's Christians will get closer and closer and closer. So hopefully that answers... Uh, the, the question that you that you asked um, in terms of the reliable people that are out there I think you should read widely but read with a discerning eye so that you can actually tell the difference and uh, most good scholars will uh, talk about uh, a pre-tribulation rapture a mid-tribulation rapture and a post tribulation rapture and talk about each other views um, but the ones that just take their one side and don't talk about the other sides and say hey here's some scriptures for this here's some scriptures for this um, we we really need to listen with a discerning ear to those and try and figure out where where some of these other passages fit and uh, for me I'm just not taking the time to go into all of the passages that talk about an eschatological return of Christ uh, just because it takes quite a while. And, and and I can do that. Maybe that's something we can add in in the weeks to come. Uh, so somebody also asked uh, some questions about recommendations of what sources are reliable to your best knowledge. Um, so 
some of the best commentaries on some of this stuff are actually not on online. Uh, there's there's good commentaries that are online that give you a basis for that, uh, but some of the best commentaries are not actually produced online because they cost money and no and and they're quite expensive. So um, for me, um, the best the best thing to do is you can go to Bible Gateway. Uh, there's some good things there in terms of accepted scholarship that's there. Um, my Bible program that I use is it has hundreds of commentaries on it from a quite a wide range of uh, perspectives. Um, theologians that I think uh, throughout time have done well at this and explaining all the different sides. Uh, uh, Wayne Grudem, uh, he does a great job. He's a more recent one. Um, uh, R.C. Sproul is is another one who did a good job. He's now deceased, but he's done some good work on this. Um, also, D.A. Carson, who would be another one. And again, most of their stuff, you just can't buy on. Like, it's expensive to buy online, and it's not publicly accessible online. But those are some, uh, those are some good names if you were looking to some people that have written a lot of material about this. Um, and, and there are some, some others that, that write within a certain tradition and, and talk about these things. And, and again, most of that stuff is not online. It's, uh, it, you can buy, you can purchase their writings online, but it's not free online. So, so hopefully this, uh, helps as we go through this and, and remember, we need to be ready to, uh, suffer for Jesus, the name of Jesus at any time. So let's, uh, let's pray and, uh, just end our time together. Good to be together today. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you've promised to never leave us nor forsake us, but God, that you've also promised to fight for us. If God be for us, who can be against us? So God, I just uh, pray that in, in these days that we find ourselves living, that our eyes would be wide open to watch and to pray and to be able to see how the things of scripture are playing out in our world. And God, that we would be ready for your return and that we would uh, be able to endure through any tribulation that comes our way. And Lord, not fearful, of any uh, judgment that you're bringing on the ungodly in this world, but that uh, we would know that you would protect us like you have in the days of Noah, protecting Noah and his family, the children of Israel in Egypt, how you protected all of uh, your children by giving them instructions and keeping the plagues off of your people, and how you will do the same in the end of the age. So God, we look forward to what you are yet going to do and we look forward to inheriting the heavens and the earth as you have promised in your word. And we give you praise and glory for all of this. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Great to be together. On Thursday this week, we're going to be uh, wrapping up our time talking about anxiety and uh, just to let you know what we're talking about on anxiety on Thursday is uh, how to help people that struggle with anxiety. So uh, have, a, have a good day. It's snowing like crazy where I am. 
and uh, not sure what it's doing where you are, but uh, have a great day, and uh, we'll see you again, if not before. God bless. We hope you've enjoyed Coffee and Conversations with Chris. If you'd like to support this program, please visit pinewoodschapel.com give. See you next time.